Liberating Your Story is about unraveling who you are from the programming that formed your worldview. You have control of who you want to be and how you want to tell that story. Your story is who you are. So, let's liberate it. I'm Jessica Travis, and this is the Liberate Your Story podcast. So I'm going to warn you about this episode. I'm going to take us to a deeper awareness of how our curious minds work. I find it fascinating, and I think you will too. So hang with me because it has very real-world applications. Earlier this week, I jumped into a pool of conversation. Yes, on Facebook. I usually know better than this, as I see it as futile and adrenaline-inducing. It's not normally good for my nervous system. But once in a while, there is one that is so much of a justice issue for me that I find myself smack dab in the middle of it. This particular conversation was actually pretty intriguing to me because of the nature of how it so easily pointed to our programming. The post was a meme that said, quote, My teenage nephew told me he asked a girl out and she turned him down. I said, you know what to do next, right? He said, I know, I know. Keep trying. I said, no, leave her alone. She gave you an answer. He was shocked. No one had told him that before. Teach your boys, unquote. I think the reason this caught my eye was that someone I knew had made a comment on the post. So, of course, I started reading the comments. I wasn't surprised, and yet I was. It's 2022, and I was saddened that we are still having this conversation about consent and the word no. I decided to reply. Just a simple statement based on a few absurd comments that were made. Quote, Because no means no. It's not a fucking game and it's not a negotiation. The culture that says women can and should be pushed so you can win is the culture that has to change. Time to grow up and see that women are not to be conquered. Unquote. Okay, so it was pretty to the point and strongly said. My fierce lioness came out to chat it up for a bit. And then the comments to my comment began. What surprised me, I suppose, was that these were women defending the game. One man called me out saying, quote, Other women are letting you know that you don't speak for them. So what now? And how are you going to blame guys for that? Unquote. I made some comments back to the replies to me around personal responsibilities, sexual abuse culture, consent, etc. I could share it all with you, but honestly, if you're a listener of my podcast, it will likely just anger you too. It's also not actually my point today. I speak to our programming a lot in my writing, work, and podcasts. I do this because I deeply feel that how we have been programmed to see the world is how we will continue to make sense of the world. If we have a belief around something, we will do whatever we need to in order to continue confirming that belief. I've said before that we can change what we believe at any point in time. But the curious part to me 
is how we got to the belief in the first place. It's curious to me because I don't want to just land on it, absorb it, and operate from it without my intention to. It's almost like personal consent of our beliefs. So how do we get to these deeply programmed beliefs? They don't just belong to us as an individual. I mean, look at any controversial post and comments. You will see a collective of beliefs. It's communal. And when we need to, we find our agreeers and we camp with them. We build momentum with each other over these beliefs only instilling them even deeper because we have support and a cheering section telling us it's the right way to believe. And without a village, it's a lonely world, right? This is another reason I find it so important that we take inventory of our beliefs regularly and evaluate on their ecology. Is it good for me? Is it good for you? Is it good for the planet? If you are answering no to even one of these, then it's time to reevaluate. Your values and your vantage point have likely shifted. We are amazing beings. We have the most effective operating system in existence. We have a very specific way in which we create our lived reality. You have your very own set of experiences that have guided you to see the world the exact way that you do. This is what I think makes us as humans so incredibly fascinating. It's also what can make life with each other so complicated. So what influences our understanding and experience of the world around us? We have three areas of our being that create or influence our reality. The first is neurology or neuro. Neuro is more than simply our mind or our thinking. Our thinking is essentially the result of what makes up our whole nervous system. You may know this as your five senses, visual, sight, auditory, sound, kinesthetic, touch, olfactory, smell, and gustatory, taste. These all bring us much needed information about our reality. Think of neuro as the collection space. It's where it all comes in and we get to do things with that information. Amazing things if we pay attention to this incredible process. The second is linguistic. This is where we become aware of how we communicate within ourselves and others. It's the language of our mind. This is a beautiful and confusing space. We have developed our language of our mind and our communication system based on what we have taken in. It forms how we continue to experience reality. It's ongoing. The third is programming. I think of this as that... OS, the operating system. This is where we form our strategies, habits, and beliefs. Based on all that info we take in, learned, or experienced, we build a way of living. I mentioned that we take in information through our five senses, that these are powerful receptors for us, and we each have a sense that we are more highly in tune with or influenced by. Think about smell, for example. If you're like me, you can sniff out the expired vegetable in the upstairs fridge from your basement when everyone else needs to pull the veggie drawer out before they can smell it. You might be more highly in tune to smell, and this will influence how you experience the same set of circumstances as your spouse or friend, and yet have a very different view of that circumstance. 
your neurosystem is evaluating this experience in a heightened response to olfactory. So your experience or reality of smelly vegetables has an urgency to it that your spouse's does not. You will want to clean out those veggies ASAP, but your spouse won't know to until the next time the fridge is opened. Now, this seems to be a very neutral, seemingly inconsequential example, but it's not. It's kind of the whole point. Are you ready? Here we go. If our senses took in all the information coming at us, we'd overload. Every second, our senses are hit with two million bits of information. It's too much. So at the back of your brain, you have the reticular activating system, the RAS. The RAS is responsible for filtering and sorting through those two million bits of information. It rapidly decides which bits of information are allowed into the conscious mind and which bits are stored in the unconscious mind. You see, we all integrate our experiences into either the conscious or the subconscious spaces of our mind through deletion, toss it out, distortion, adjust to fit our beliefs, and generalization, assigning past experience outcomes to future experiences. We use filters for this sorting process. These internal filters sitting at the unconscious level are attitudes, values, beliefs, memories, decisions, language, meta-programs, and time-space-matter energy. And they are deciding what your RAS will sort for. This is a powerful space. All the information, all of the experiences, all of the memories are there. They just aren't being accessed by your conscious mind. Most of it was filtered to the unconscious mind. Wonder where that still small voice comes from? Yep, your stored information at the subconscious level. Fun little bit of info here. The information stored at the subconscious level doesn't necessarily have meaning assigned to it yet. We might feel something, but we don't have words because we don't have meaning for it. This is why we have trouble trusting our intuitions or others have trouble giving credence to our intuition. And we may override our intuition with something that already does have meaning, like your belief system. In order to give all of this information meaning, we create an internal representation, or IR, of the event through the experiences of our senses. The IR is made up of all those smells, pictures, feelings, sensations, and the internal language you have with yourself. Okay, are you ready for this? This becomes your internal experience of an external reality. This is your worldview, your map of life. And this map is where we interpret it and give it meaning. So the meaning we give all of this information is the last point in the process. But to your conscious mind, it feels like the beginning. It feels like the plumb line for which we have an understanding of all of life. I hope I didn't lose you. I actually find this process so clarifying to how my being creates my reality and why I can have what seems to be such a different reality than, say, you do. I don't have the same experiences and events or memories. I can find similarities to others if we were raised in a similar culture, belief system, or value system. This is actually what is part of our community experience from a very young age. 
When we connect on the way we view the world, it creates a feeling of belonging. It's a powerful feeling. So this Facebook feed I was commenting on, I had one woman reply to me, quote, Women have also been taught over the years to play hard to get, unquote. When this information went through the neurological process I just explained, it was filtered by the belief that relationships are a game and playing hard to get is a proving place for building or acquiring relationships. If this is a program belief at the unconscious level, then our IR continues to filter for support to this belief and filters out anything that doesn't support the previous experience or programming we have on the issue. When a belief is supported for a long period of time, it's the only way we know how to view an issue. We are wired to support the belief, unless we take a more conscious awareness of our beliefs and test its ecology. Is your mind blown yet? Mine was when I learned this. It helped me understand a few things about myself. One, I understand why I could begin to feel more and more on the outside of my community. Kind of like you're going crazy in your mind. Like, am I the only one who sees this or believes this? And two, I have control of what I believe. Just because I was raised in a certain era, state, religion, or within certain social influences doesn't mean I can't change my worldview and self-view at any point in time. I am not a captive to this previous context my neurology was living by. Okay, I'm going to add a third insight here, and I think it's really important to how we live with each other on this same diverse planet. I can now see other humans from this same lens of information. They aren't just stupid people who can't see the writing on the wall. I mean, come on, sometimes that's what we're saying in our heads, right? We are all taking in information and sorting it all out. We are in the learning space together. Now, it would be a lovelier world to exist within if we were all self-aware enough to know that we can evolve and liberate ourselves from previous ways of thinking. Debating won't work, but learning will. And that's what I'm passionate about for me and for you, curious unlearner. Liberate our minds and we liberate our story. I'd love to unravel the language, identities, terms, practices, and beliefs that make you feel stuck or even oppressed. So call or text me. 608-55-STORY. I want to hear from you. <laughs>